0: My name is Kyle Willis and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Welcome back to Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. We are continuing our series on the complete entrepreneur, digging into the very important topic of sales today. Our guest on the show is someone that I have admired for quite some time and in his unique approach to sales that I'll, I'll speak about in a moment but first let me welcome landon porter to the roosevelt room landon i'm really excited for you being with us today
1: oh uh, yeah brother man thank you for having me on the show our uh, our conversation Previous to starting record has been nothing short of awesome. Stuff.
0: <laughs> well, you know, for for the listeners who are unaware yet of who the sales gorilla is, uh, you know, I've had the joy of watching you from afar, learning from you on Facebook and in the social groups, and as as you am talking here today, uh, your approach to sales has been something that pulls on my heartstrings because. As I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I went through the academies of sales. I got my certificate in sales from University of Washington, one of the country's top sales programs, and gone through other sales programs from other quote-unquote gurus and sales teachers out there, Um, but it always felt void of of that sense of how to connect uh, emotionally, relationally with your customer. It felt very temporal in the approach of how do I get the sale, how do I get your credit card, and then how do I move on to the next one? And as I've learned from you, you know, to kind of give my bio, my pitch of where we're going today, I love your approach where it's truly out of need. What is your need? Can I solve it? And if I can, then let's keep talking. If I can't, then out of due respect for who you are, and the nature of who say, who I am as a salesman, I'm not gonna waste your time and I'm gonna direct you to someone you can. So I'm excited as we jump in here today to hear a bit more of that approach uh, and hopefully you know, stir some things up for those who are maybe more traditional in their sales approach and wanna know the relational side or those who are just starting in sales as that entrepreneur trying to t- grow their business and know, where do I begin? So. Lennon, as we talk about beginning, I would love to just kind of hear a little bit of your story, your your origin of where you began as an entrepreneur and began this journey to understand how to be how to get sales
1: without being salesy. Yep. Well, right out of high school, I I went to school to become a chef. I'm an actual full-on certified chef. Wow. And nights, weekends, and holidays didn't work for raising two little kids. <laughs> sure. Right. So my my dad's longtime best friend and he had both been in the car business together for a long time. Yeah. And this guy, my dad's friend, family friend lived literally less than a mile away from I at that time. And he was wholesaling cars, um, to private parties that were generally two, three, four year old higher end German sports cars, Porsche, Mm -hmm. Audi, BMW, Mercedes. And, uh, I had a conversation with him and I said, dude, I I can't do this anymore. My then wife and I were going through a divorce and I needed to be able to be home with the kids at a certain time. Long story short, I spent that summer and part of that winter working with him placing cars. And I brought to him, and he didn't really know this, Subarus are – probably the number one selling car in Colorado because they're all wheel drive. You can beat on them pretty hard and we do get nasty roads here. So long story short, I did that with him for eight or nine months. And then I, I, uh, I met a guy who was in the mortgage industry and he he had me starting to cold call homeowners between four and 8 PM Monday through Friday to get people to refi. I yeah. did that for about six months and then I got good at it and I quit doing the, the wholesale car thing. And I was in real estate until about 2005, 2006 and saw the market beginning to yeah, yeah. Make it crash. And I was like, Oh my God, Um too young or too ignorant at the time to recognize more money to be made when the market's down in real estate. Sure. So I went and found an industry that, um, one of their things was is in a down economy for salespeople, we kill it. And it was selling corporate finance, business to business. Hmm. So everything from commercial collections all the way to credit insurance. So that was my career. i'd I'd had some sales experience in a couple of traditional industries. Um, and then when I started working in the credit industry, I really got good at sales. And I'd been doing the sales thing at that point for about five years. Um, and I was a sales guy. I was, a regular traditional cutthroat, silver tongue sales guy. Sure. You stayed on, if you stayed in the conversation, you bought period. Yeah. Um, Fast forward about halfway through my career selling corporate finance. I had a, a mid career crisis. I actually woke up one morning. um, It was 438 AM. It was a Wednesday. I was getting ready to head across town to the office and I'm staring at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I fucking hate you. Yeah, because my life was so miserable. Wow. And there's some nuances here that will break down. But the, the short of the long was I was so good at closing people that now I had all these clients I'd work with. See the industry mm-hmm. that I was in at that point. You didn't make money when you brought them on as a client and sold them once it was all about managing that relationship ongoing. Sure. So I had a giant book of clients. And to be honest with myself and really everybody else, I don't like most people. And I think if all of us are honest, we've got our kind of people and then everybody else, right. I'm good with everybody else. I just don't want to have to deal with them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I, I drastically changed my approach. There was about a six to nine month period in there. My, my little kids were becoming preteens at the same time. And it, it occurred to me that it was all in relationships I was really good at my craft, at the thing that I could do, but all of a sudden, I recognized the way I was able to do it, the way that I perfected yeah. wasn't serving me, and so I adjusted. So I spent the the next five years in that industry basically being the the bad, really good example of how to do sales, and I broke all the rules. Management really had a hard time with me because I, instead of making 200 or 300 cold calls a day, I made 10 warm calls a month. I brought in more business. I had less clients; like they didn't know what to do with me. Wow! <laughs> so now, at the end of my sales career, I'm I'm 15 years into sales, and I'm done with it. And I'm like, man, I want to do my own thing. My wife and I started doing um, coaching of parents who are dealing with preteens, and they have no idea what those kids are doing with the technology. This sure. has gone back four or five years now, and there was a big gap in that marketplace of mm-hmm if you weren't tech savvy and all of a sudden you had any inkling of what your kids were doing, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that for about 13 or 14 months, 15 months. And I ended up in a Facebook ads course, like many of us do. And it wasn't the first one that I'd bought, but I'd ended uh, up in this Facebook ads course. And I'm asking, I'm, a, I'm starting to build relationships with people asking them, how do I run this ad set? How do I, is this image or do I do video or like, how do I do this? Yep. I, I start building some, some friendships there. They're helping me with ads. And because I'm getting to know them, I'm finding out that they're having a hard time turning trial clients into paid mm-hmm. clients or they're having a hard time keeping clients on. So I find myself essentially coaching a half a dozen or so people, and in January of 2017, five people in three days were like, dude, you need to fucking teach this. And I was like, dude, yeah. no fuck I don't <laughs> because like my way of doing sales is so not traditional. And to be honest, to be totally upfront, I was, I was a little intimidated by the kind of hate that I thought I would garner in the marketplace hmm. by saying that's crap. Yeah. Just because you can figure out how to manufacture relatability and make people make decisions doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. Sure, Turns out two and a half, almost three years later, that that's really what people want. I found a little niche for myself with people that are business owners, are entrepreneurs. They're really good at their thing. They have no interest in selling, though they think they need to learn it. Yeah. And uh, they're they're being taught by people that are leaning on the trainings of the 1900s and the 2000s about how we can manipulate people and make them make decisions when yeah. that might work to get the money now but oh boy talk about a headache when people obligate you with their money yeah
0: wow so in that because you know i hear that my body just cringes the aspect of just the feel of obligation and i love the comment you made earlier about i brought all these people on and now the reality hit me of oh shit i actually have to serve them now and i don't I don't want to, I don't know them. I don't like them. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but that sense of, I don't really know them. I just did needed to do what I needed to do to get them to sign up. And so as you've made this shift to saying, okay, there's gotta be a different way. What did, what does relationship look like to you now? What was that process that you said, okay, there's gotta be a different way I serve them and it's going to come out of really knowing them, getting, getting to know where they're at. What's that mean?
1: So what that means is that we've got to be open with ourselves about what values and, and characteristics and personality traits we find attractive in other people and what of those same things we find repulsive in other people. Um, what we're talking about, and we can dig into these things, we're talking about ideal client avatar. Anybody here that's that's been in marketing has not understanding what that is. I have a completely different take on it. Then we're talking about positive indifference. Then we're talking about social acuity. And then we're talking about social currency. Where we start though is let's pretend you're having a barbecue at your house with eight or 10 of your closest people, right? Your best yeah. friend, your wife's best friend, the, the guy that you've known for 25 or 30 years, who's been your brother, right? Your parents. Is this person that you're talking to who could be a client, if you invited them over, would they be a fit in your space with your people Hmm. or not? Um, And this is, this is the aspect that a lot of people who either think they know sales or are trying to learn sales screw up. We as somebody with something to sell should not be going for the yes. We should not be going for the no. We should be finding out if we want to work with somebody and if it's totally a fit We're in the position to say, yeah, Bob, you can have it. Here's how you get it if you want it. It changes the dynamic in that process, but it comes down to this. You bring on a client. If you have any brains at all, you know there's going to be problems. Period. End of discussion. With humans come problems, especially when you're trying to help them solve one when they obligated you with money cool so there's going to be problems do you want to go through problems with somebody you kind of don't really like or somebody <laughs> that you actually would like fly out to their place and like fix shit if the yeah. sky fell down that's the difference hmm. man i've, I've
0: I hear that i've made that mistake too many times where someone's coming at me with money and that deal of oh i jump on it because what whether i, I need the money or not that deal of okay yeah i can serve you i can help you i can i can perform whatever service you need done. But I've I hit that point where sometimes it's worked out fine, but most time it's that deal of, oh, shit, what did I get myself into? You're not worth the hassle of whatever your paycheck is. How then, you know, in a business, especially as we talk about, you know, this entrepreneur who's just starting their business, growing it out, uh, what, what's the role of sales with lead gen and another two different two different areas but trying but finding you know you talk about avatar and your approach of being different what that how, how does someone start off by saying i want to find the type of client that i adore that i know i can serve that i know i get excited about that when i get on the phone with them it feels like we're high-fiving and sitting down to have a, a cigar or a pipe together and share life versus oh gosh i have a call with this
1: person again Yep. So my process of, of ideal client avatar is two phases. There's two pieces to it. It's our lead magnet. Um, I'll give it to you and you can put it in the show notes. Please. Um, It's, it's literally a process to create basically uh, I love this column and I won't tolerate this column. Okay. Right. And what we're trying to identify is, is if money wasn't a part of it, how would, I turn this person into somebody I want to have a relationship. Like if we took money completely off the table and I did my thing for them for free, would I enjoy it? We go about identifying who it is that we'd want to do that with. And then it gets pretty easy to go, Oh, if I'm looking for natural relatability, I'm looking for people that are like me, people like me do this. People like me do that. People like me like this. People like me don't do shit like that. And then we go, okay, cool. You and I, we connected on cigars right? We both smoke really cool stuff. Cigars, pipe tobacco, we have an actual natural point of relatability. Yeah. You and I can talk about that all day long. I mean, right. (laughs) That's kind of the point. Well, if I know that I dig people that are into pipe tobacco or cigars, guess what? There's communities of them. Yeah. Guess what? There are people in those communities that need and want the thing that we do. They just don't have a clue who we are. Hmm. So if we can figure out who they probably look like, then it gets really easy to go find them in the marketplace. Yeah. And then all we do is start a conversation about something that has nothing to do with our business.
0: And that's good. Cause that, was, that leads to my, my question of, you know, I, I've been in some courses before where they teach that organic side of, sales and lead with the values speak to your your avatar's needs but part of the problem is you know some of these groups get inundated with those type of people doing it where you're just back to the noise so i like that element where you say i can keep the conversation that doesn't have to be about my business Mm -hmm. i love to know though at what point how do you naturally transition it to hey we love cigars we're sharing life together. What do you do? What do I do? Is there a place for us to work together?
1: Yep. That's what I call social currency. Okay. Social currency is okay. Let's, let's break this down. 20 years ago, if you were going to sell something, you either had paid ads driving traffic to your business. You use the telephone. There were some people that were starting to use email marketing and then there's marketers that do all of the paid stuff. Sure. Cool. That was 20 years ago. Guess what? We're all connected. We're all on social media now, regardless of where your people hang out, whether it be LinkedIn or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, it doesn't matter. Yeah, We have the ability to connect and you have the ability to structure your profile as such. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I do. This is who I do it for. This is why I like doing it. Yeah. Now that's in place. That's your website right? If your people are on Facebook, your Facebook profile is your website. Now you're connecting with people around interests that you share in common. And if you're paying attention and you have any idea of what prospecting looks like, you focused it down to start connecting with people that fit your ideal client avatar. So instead oh. of just starting up a relationship with everybody, we use social acuity, which is slow down, pay attention, and serve, right? That's These awesome. are all little processes that I've, I've kind of ferreted out of, of how I've done it in the corporate world and then applied it to social media. And this is, this is how it works. If I'm focused on building relationships with people that look like people that want and need the thing that I do. And they also look like people that I think are cool. Yeah. It doesn't take, but a few conversations for somebody to go, Hey, that thing that you posted or that comment that you made on that post, or they even say, Hey, I'm looking for somebody who can do this. Oh man, I like, I didn't know. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's have a conversation because we've already built a relationship yeah. that literally took maybe three or four days. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. i love just how natural that is too, where you know it's, it's a progression rather than just a conversation of, well, tell me what, what's keeping you up at night. Tell me what you're anxious about. Oh great. Now I got a, I got a solution for that for the low, low price of. And, and in that, you know, when, when you've gone through this process, you know, what I'd love to know is I know, I know you work with a lot of people teaching and training them on sales. Uh, What is often a a roadblock that people come in, you know, from either their traditional sales mindset, traditional sales approach um, to then make this transition to being more, more human, more, how do I, how do I lead out of a relationship? What's a roadblock? What's a, a common situation or mindset you have to deal with to say, if this doesn't change. Nothing else matters.
1: It's interesting because you use the word three times more, this, more, that more, this people think they need more. They think they need more traffic. They think they need more leads. They think they need more clients. That's actually incorrect. And I I'm going to, I'll break that down real quick, but I want to make a distinction. There are people in this world that my approach doesn't work for. There are people in this world that my way of doing this is not going to be effective fast enough. My perfect client is somebody who is um, a solopreneur or an entrepreneur with a small team with an actual hardcore deep skill set in the thing they do. They're fucking good. Yeah. And, they can go, oh, instead of bringing on 20 new clients a month, if I brought on two, but they stayed twice as long and I focused on my genius zone, which is, uh, we need to break that down here in a minute too. Yeah, If I focus on the highest level people that I can serve, I don't need more. I need fewer that are the right fit. That's the roadblock. Um, In fact, most of my messaging speaks to you think you need more this, you think you need more that, you think you need more this, you think more isn't going to fix anything. That's There's good. Balance that's out of balance there.
0: Yeah. Well, I, let's let's dig into that then. You talk about the genius zone and as you tap into that, it breaks down the, the, the desire and
1: need for more. Yep. What is this genius zone? So you and your business and your in your marketing business, there's 19 things you can do. You can build websites, you can set up domain hosting, you can set up funnels, you can do paid traffic, you can do 19 things. 19 is is a bullshit number that I use. Every one of us in our own business can do all kinds of things. Now let's break those down. There's 19 things... 15 of those things generally are chores. They're the commodity thing that we do. They're what works and fits for everybody that could be our client. They all need it. And it's all low dollar stuff that takes time. Yeah. And we generally don't like doing chores. That leaves four things. One or two of those four things we generally are really, really, really good at. And we love doing. And generally, we give that stuff to our clients basically for free when we think that's somebody we want to give it to. Yeah, That's our genius zone. That's our surgeon. All the rest of the stuff, we're a, a, a regular MD. Well, that leaves two or three things in that 19 that you can do that you don't like doing. And if you're honest with yourself, you're probably not the best at. Sure. Or maybe you even suck at. Most of the people that I've worked with generally do a combination of those 19 things and they try and get it to fit with these people or with that company or with this person instead of going, you know what, these 15 chores, somebody on Fiverr or somebody a VA can do that shit. I'm not doing that anymore. Guess what? My prices just went up. Guess what? My amount of time I have to be able to put into my business working with clients just went way up then I focus on the one or two things that I actually love doing. Now I'm totally different, distinct, and completely separate from everybody else in my marketplace. Yeah, That's what I'm an expert at. That's my genius zone. Hmm. I can work with fewer clients that pay way more money. I can get them way better, bigger, faster results. And now I love doing what I'm doing and it's not even really work anymore. I get yeah. to jump out of bed and play all day. Yeah, That's genius zone.
0: What would you say then, you know, from, from that aspect of, okay, this is what I love doing. This is what I do so well, but some of these other things are going to be paying the bills and we're getting clients for these items over here, but my genius zone is over there. Is that just a fucked up business and you need to go figure out your ish and start something else? Or is that, is there a way to say, okay, bring someone on whose genius zone is over there and partner up?
1: Yeah. There's more than one way to, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Right. <laughs> You're right. Um, everybody, everybody does that. I monthly and quarterly, I go through all of the stuff that I do. And I figure out the stuff that goes on that list of stuff that I don't really want to do. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of a process. However, if people are listening to this for sales and marketing, and they are two different things, sales is literally just one question at the end of a conversation. That's all sales is the marketing piece is what does it, if you're if you're getting people into your business to put food on the table and they're paying for the chore stuff, you're messaging to the marketplace that that's what it is that you do. Hmm. So if we focus internally on what I'd rather spend my time doing and begin adjusting my message and what I'm putting out into the marketplace, pretty soon they go, oh, I kind of thought I had an idea that you did that, but I didn't realize that was the thing that you do mainly. Yeah. It pulls the the I don't like necessarily using these terms, but it, it pulls the better fit clients for your higher level and higher leveraged stuff yeah. out of the woodwork. And it kind of repels the people that want to hire somebody to set up a WordPress website. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that are amazing setting up websites and they charge 30, 60, 100, $200,000 or more, right? Yeah. Most people that do websites charge 1,500 to six grand. Sure. It's a commodity. Sure and the people that are really good at it are stuck in that cycle of selling commodities instead of selling thirty, sixty, ninety thousand $90,000 websites to their perfect fit client.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been stuck in that commodity. I, you're speaking my language there because we've, we've done high five figure sites before, but uh, they've, they've not been as, as smooth they've, or they've just been, a greater hassle so to find those ones that would be that perfect fit would be a dream and I think that's where you know as you speak to me about that I I take that in myself right now wow I need to find that uh, that, uh, zone of genius to know who am I uh, most excited to work with because as I have explained it to you before the problem that I've had with my marketing agency is now, we don't take on everyone we are choosing but we're choosing the element of oh can we really do that well not do I really like you and feel like I can really serve who you are not just your business mm-hmm. and that's been part of the challenge so we'll get into some businesses that we know we can really serve but one person in the in the company gets yeah you know, we have an issue with and it turns into a mess and so how do I you know turn my spidey sense on to get that to get uh, that sense mm-hmm. of is there a real fit here? And can I really serve you, not just your business? And that's been, uh, that's been something I've pulled out from so far today of I need to change my approach there. So let me ask this then, uh, you know, know, when you think about the sales conversation, when you think about getting into um, getting, getting into building that relationship you talked earlier about social media, being able to bring it all together. What's the balance then of putting, putting out an offer and letting people know what you do without sounding like, you know, using your Facebook wall uh, to just be a bulletin board for the next thing people should hire you for? What's the balance of how to make an offer and make a good offer, but not being annoying and say, you know, salesy on
1: Facebook or whatever platform? the context of where it's done. Right. What I mean by that is, is if, if they want it and they need it, but they don't know who you are, you got to start there. If they want it and they need it and they know who you are, but they're not seeing it, you got to start there. Right. I don't post offers on my personal profile on Facebook. I've established an audience within Facebook groups that I own and doing things like this. You and I built a relationship. We danced a little bit back and forth in email after we danced a little bit in messenger. And we're both like, hell yeah, dude, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Here we are. Guess what? You're putting me in front of your audience. Yeah. That's one way to do it. Um, If we're connecting with people that fit the mold to be our kind of client and they're now seeing and paying attention to what we do and what we say and what we post, we post a thing but for most of my clients, most of that is actually done kind of behind the scenes. Hmm. If I've got my profile funnel set up to where it explains at a at a high enough level of what I do and who I do it for, and I'm building a relationship with somebody, let's say, let's say you and I are both into reptiles. Sure. And I'm having a conversation with a guy that has a breeding facility for a certain kind of arboreal tree snake. Guess what? Another thing I'm interested in. Yeah. He and I are having a conversation. He's like, man, this is this is awesome. And da. And I'm going to this big show and da. And I've done this for 20 years and really nobody knows who I am because I'm kind of a hermit. Hmm. Well, he's got 20 years of a skill set and he's got some connections. Yeah. It doesn't take but a month for him to start getting an audience of fifty to hundred people that could buy his five, ten, twenty thousand dollar reptiles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's another thing that people need to get over. We're in this immediate gratification space. That's why a lot of us look at sales and marketing as a numbers game. How fast can I get it? And how fast can I move on? And guess what? Us consumers are tired of that shit. Yeah. When you want something, what do you do? When you decide you want a a new thing for your home or for your car, or for your business, what's the first thing you do? Find out how much it is. Can I afford it? And then you go start searching for it. Right. Sure. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. But if somebody calls you on your cell phone, maybe I'm wrong, but your cell phone probably doesn't ring unless it's your wife or your kid. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good at meeting that. Right. So are the rest of us. So how are we going to connect with the people that are the right fit for our business? Yeah. And not treat it like a numbers game because yeah. we're all tired of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that because that way, what you're saying there, it's it's that element of of connection. You know, I've had some salespeople talk about looking at sales from that numbers perspective as the gateway to get anything you want. Oh, you want that car? That's an eight call car. And you want that house? That's a 10 call house. And you know, uh, or I'm making up numbers here, but you know, that element of everything's related to, oh, I know that I can get $10,000 off every call. So therefore, if I want to go on that vacation, I need to close three calls today. And in that, that's, you know, I've had that training, I've had that walkthrough, and that's why I call that status quo and the, the numbers approach that I love you're breaking down. Of kind of one of the sacred cows that needs to change that needs to die, and i love I love that element of what is it about our sales culture that does not work today, that does not serve who we are as humans, who we are as people that are built for relationship that built for interaction, and being able to sell beyond the first phone call beyond the first payment
1: it 's this statement. Just because somebody can be your client doesn't mean you should let them like that. And if we start looking at this as a long game, right? Again, going back to the immediate gratification, most of us play the short game by doing so we automatically lose the long game. This is what causes people to pivot and pivot and pivot and pivot in their business, right? They get this thing going and it's amazing. And then, oh shit, something's wrong. Let's do something different. If we, if we focus on winning the long game, the short-term game and the midterm game, take care of themselves. Now this comes with the caveat that you're actually good at the thing that you do and you take the time to pick the people that you want to work with and you plant your flag on that hill. This is who I am. I'm not for everybody. You might not like me and that's totally okay. I'm not here looking for a yes. I'm not here looking for a no. I'm here looking for a three, five, seven, 10 year client relationship Mm. with somebody I actually fall in love with. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Difference. I, I
0: love that because you know I think about going back to the analogy of those who talk about eight call this four call that the the lifespan of their t- type of clients are usually one year or less and it's uh, goes back to a numbers game. Hey, our you know our, the longevity of the client may be short, but we know we can go get more.
1: When I was in my teens and twenties, I was really all about the one night stand, right? The chase. Yeah yeah the excitement the butterflies i'm in my 40s now and i've i've done the dance of of awesome amazing happy weekends with clients and people in my personal life and that shit doesn't last no and it, it's just like dating um going after clients the wrong way gets you a different kind of something you can't wash off than doing it in your personal <laughs> life but neither are pleasant wow
0: So, you know, Landon, as we bring this home, I I love just kind of digging this more. I think, you know, there's so much, we're just scratching the surface, I know, and trying to change the paradigm that people bring to sales. And so much more goes into what the sales conversation looks like and what the the relationship looks like after the the initial sale. The the reality is that as we've been working through this series of The Complete Entrepreneur, I know that there's not one person out there who can do everything. You know, we have an eight-part series here and there's uh, there's multiple elements from advertising, copywriting, mindset, talking sales today, and that one person is just going to be excellent. And, you know, as I know from what we're scratching the surface on, there, there's a lot more you have to offer that I wish we had, the, you know, maybe do a whole series on podcasts with you, but you have a lot more to train on and educate uh, for that entrepreneur who's saying, Hey, I need more on coaching or want to know what, what next steps look like to really buy into this philosophy of what it means to get sales without being salesy. Where, where should they turn? What's the best place for more, for more, for continuing that conversation and digging into what things like genius zone really look like practically uh, building out a real avatar and social currency or acuity.
1: Where do you break those down further? In, in two places. One has lots of noise and one has no noise, <laughs> right? I, I do a podcast as well. Sales podcast.com. That's where you can get it without the noise. Or you can jump into our, our main Facebook group, Getting Clients Without Being Salesy, Guerrilla Army Nation. You can search that on, on Facebook. Um, my foundational course is Leads Lab, and I teach the actual process with all of the actions over the course of 30 days and the promise is If you are good at the thing that you do and you've got it for sale and you do this for the next 30 days, you will get clients. Because this is... It's just the process. Um, you alluded to the sales conversation or the sales process earlier. I'll give you in your, in your audience this. There's four pieces to that conversation. Thanks. Intro, setting the agenda, qualifying, and making the offer if it's a fit. It's simple. It's easy. And the only sales in that is that last question. Cool, Bob. I'd love to work with you. This totally looks like a fit. Here, you can have it if you want it. Right? I say it that way. That's my demeanor. Yeah, it's still just a one sentence question. And that's all of the sale. Everything else is just discovery. How you start that conversation is with one simple question. Hey, Bob, would it make sense for us to have a 10 or 15 minute conversation? Yeah. And if they know who you are and have an idea of what you're about, they go, yeah, let's do that. And then it's intro, set the agenda, qualify and make the offer. It's simple.
0: Let me let me just dig into that real quick for just uh my own personal gain. When you make that offer people is it typical in your experience that you close on that initial call, or when people say, Thank you, um let me think about it, uh is it what's that balance then of if they don't close in the call to then not chasing the client but following up with them?
1: Yep. I don't chase and I don't play the follow up with me bro game. Okay. okay there's there's some context. Here's the answer to your question. It depends. And it depends on the context of who is delivering that conversation and who they're delivering it to and what marketplace they're in. In my corporate sales gig, there were many clients that I pursued conversations with and had conversations with on an ongoing long term basis, three, five, seven years before they became a client, right? Well, most of us solopreneurs, we don't have the time to do that. Yeah. My experience is if you know what you do, you can explain their problem to them better than they can explain it to themselves. You actually literally are a great fit and it makes sense for you both to work together. That question is nine times out of 10 enough for that to be a closed sale. If they need to think on it, sleep on it, talk to their dog, whatever it is, (laughs) right? The problem is not that, They have an objection. The problem is, is they've got a question that's not yet been answered and they don't know what that question is. And through your discovery with them, you haven't been able to identify what question they need answered. Hmm. And so my response to that is, is, I totally get that. Let's set money aside. Is there any reason other than the money or time or when we start or whatever that I need to sleep on it is, is there anything other than that? that would keep us from starting. And almost always you get, no, it's that one thing. Cool. I get it. And I'm going to totally let you sleep on it or talk to your neighbor's wife's dog about it or whatever. (laughs) Right. But in my experience, the reason that we need to do that is because there's a question that hasn't been answered. What is it that doesn't make sense? What is it that, that we don't know about yet? Yeah. And in my experience, almost always, if it's not an actual objection, I can't buy it. I don't have the money. I can't start now. I really don't want to do that. Those are objections. Everything else is just an unanswered question.
0: I like that. I like that. That makes it very simple. Man, Well, this is, you know, I'm, I'm pausing simply from the reflection in, internally of just, wow, that, that, I love that element because I think I've been in this place of, oh, need to follow up, need to make sure I cover all objections in the call. And if they don't close in the call, especially as I work predominantly with corporate clients and large, large organizations uh, where there's often other decision makers that have to then get into the into the picture. Um, but that element of, let's make sure I've covered all questions. I may not be able to take all of your objections right now, but let's, let's make sure I've covered your questions and the objections I'll I'll speak to, but I'm not going to fight you on, or I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise on.
1: And understanding what their buyer's cycle is before we get into the discovery call will let you both understand what the next steps have to be. Yeah. Understanding who the actual decision maker, the ultimate decision maker is before you get into the discovery is another rabbit hole to go down, right? (laughs) Yeah. But the whole follow up with me, bro, game really is where 90% of deals fall apart. And the problem is because the salesperson and the person buying don't set an actual day time and reason for what we're going to accomplish on that next communication. Yeah. That's huge right there. You can solve all of that by just doing that. Yeah. When are we talking? Why are we talking? What's the outcome of that? That's good stuff right there. That makes it very practical.
0: Oh man, this has been, this has been huge. You know, uh, uh, there's much more I want to pick at, but I think for the sake of time and for our listeners being able to say, okay, let's start with the foundation. Let's start with the elements of what goes into being able to start the conversation, knowing who to talk to, how to talk to them, what that conversation should look like. And then as you Spoke about being able to carry on uh, the carrying on that conversation to the sales. Uh, You've given us some great assets. You know, I'm a a part of uh, your Facebook group, getting clients without being salesy. Uh, Subscribe to your podcast, and you know, for our listeners who are saying, "Hey, I like this guy's approach. I want to hear more of it." I'll have the have links to those in our show notes on our website at mfrrpodcast.com, so that way you can find them quickly, Um, and then you know being able to learn about your course where you work with people for 30 days, Leeds Lab. Uh, remind me, did you was that on the Facebook group is the best way to find that or is there lab.com?
1: You can go to 30dayleadslab.com. 30 Day Leads Lab. I'll make sure to have that in our notes, too. Um,
0: 30 Day Leads Lab, writing notes down, so that way you get those in our show notes. But, Landon, this has been very, very practical. You know, as I shared with you before, I'm such a fan of your, your approach, your mindset to sales, um, because it's truly in the hands of the customer. It's truly in the, that element of, I'm here to serve you, would you like to buy? If not, let's just let's just be friends. And it doesn't have that hard, abrupt stop. It's so uh, anti-status quo, no to the quo, as I'm a big fan of. Um, so thank you for sharing that insight, shit. Thank you for sharing the practical examples. Um, I, I'm excited to dig more into into learning more about the currency and the cuity, building out what a real avatar looks like. Because that's one of the first things I'm gonna be working on. Of What are the elements I love? What are the elements I hate? If anyone touches those, why carry on the conversation with them?
1: Yep, totally.
0: (laughs) Thank you for being with us today. I I do not take your time for granted. I really do appreciate it.
1: I dig it. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. If you heard something today that you would like to follow up on and be able to connect with Connect with our guest. We will have their contact information as well as any links to the resources they talked about from Facebook groups, their website, any type of offers that they gave on our website at mfrpodcast.com. Once again, that is Podcast.com. Join us there. love to keep the conversation going and you'll be able to get all of our show notes as well as links that the guests spoke about. So that way we can really serve you. Really do appreciate you spending time with us today in this episode. Hope you have a great rest of your day.